Amen. Well, if you haven't been around for a while, we're wrapping up a series that we've called Joy, Life's Must-Have Ingredient. And joy is a necessary ingredient to a successful life. It's absolutely necessary. And if you've listened to the past messages, you would, you would see why. And so we put our messages on the web. You can order a CD. We give them away free. I encourage you, if you haven't heard them, then go back and request them or go on our website and you can download them. We've kind of built up to the, where we're at today and by no means have we exhausted what the Word of God has to say about this subject. We could, we could have a seminar for five weeks and still teach you what God's Word says about this particular subject, but we can't stay on everything forever. How many know steak is good, right? How many agree with me? If you don't, we'll pray for you, but steak is good, okay? But you can't eat it every day. You can't eat it all the time, amen? We've got to move on. We need other things. As much as I hate to say it, we need broccoli too, I mean, or something else, you know? And so <laughs> everybody's not as enthused about the broccoli as they are the steak, though. But anyway, today the message is called Choose Joy, and you'll see as we go through it why we're saying that. But just to give you a little background, we're going to look at a few scriptures in a second, but Paul the Apostle wrote the book of Philippians uh, to the church at Philippi. At the time he wrote it, he was an old man, and it is most likely that he wrote that book from a Roman prison. And at that time, like I said, he was, he was an old man. He had been living for the Lord a long time. We know Paul, the apostle, was a great man of God. God used him by the, with the Spirit of God to write over one-third of the New Testament. I mean, the, the man had tremendous revelation from the Spirit of God for us. And in some of what we're going to talk about today, we are instructed by the Holy Spirit on how to live, how to approach life, or our attitude towards life, what it should be. And again, of course, our topic is joy. Everybody say joy. Say it again, joy. One more time, joy. Isn't it a fun word to say? Joy. It's hard to joy. It just doesn't flow off the tongue when you, you're frowning, you know. But joy just makes you want to smile. Amen. Now, God knew that we would have hard times in life occasionally. In other words, He knew that we would go through dark, difficult, challenging times in life. How many know what I'm talking about? Maybe you're going through one today. I mean, maybe the last week or, you know, maybe it's been a while, but you know that there's going to be times, there's going to be challenges. It's not that you necessarily did anything wrong. It's that we have to remember we live in a fallen world. We live in a, a messed up world in that regard. And Satan's out there. And what is he doing? He's stealing, killing, and destroying. So if you aren't doing anything hardly at all, you're going to run across some bad times, some challenging times. Well, God knew we would do that, but God also knew this. God knew that Satan would try to distort the truth. And what I mean is Satan would, would take our ignorance of God's Word. For example, not everybody knows what I just told you, that Satan is the one that steals, kills, and destroys. What did Jesus come for? to give us life in it more abundantly. He's a good God, amen? He's good, but the devil, he's the one out there running around pointing the blame at God. 
And see, God knew that would happen. He knew that the devil would run around and play on our ignorance and blame God. For example, when tornadoes happen, hurricanes, um, bad things, earthquakes, what, what do we call that on insurance? An act of God. God didn't have anything to do with it. God isn't going around making tornadoes hurting people. Amen? He's not involved in that kind of thing. The reality is he's a good God. Amen? But the fact is, is that the devil works extra hard to put the blame, shift it on God. And if we don't know the Word of God, we'll fall for it. We'll think, well, God brought that. I, I wonder what I did. Or maybe God's teaching me some things, and He brought these bad things on me. Listen, God doesn't go around doing it. How many of you here would do that to your children? Would you just go ahead and put bad things on them just to teach them something? Well, son, come here, come here. God teach you how to not to use the stove properly. Let me see your hand. And put their hand in, uh, you know, next to something hot. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't burn. We call that what? Child abuse. Well, God is, and I'm going to say this. This is not good English. God is a gooder parent than you. <laughs> he is a good God, okay? He's not going around doing that to his children. He loves his children, and he is a far better father than we could ever dream to be. Amen? We could be a real good dad, but he would outshine us big time. And so, but the devil, again, is working hard to put that blame on God. And the devil has one more goal on top of that. Not only to blame God for the problem, but also that you would get mad at God, possibly. And turn your back on God and say, if God's doing that, who needs to serve him? And, and he could trick you into going another direction from God. And believe it or not, people fall for that all the time, including Christians. They just don't know. But how many know we know the truth? Amen? <laughs> Praise God. Now, before I jump into this, I want to say something again about acting on the Word of God. I really want to cement this in you. That acting on God's Word will make all the difference in life all the difference. In other words, it will make all the difference between success or failure. All right? Acting God's on God's word is a serious thing. And so you can't just keep on absorbing what you're hearing but never do anything with it. You need to do something. In fact, the people that absorb and absorb and absorb and don't do anything, and the book of James, he says they're what? They're self-deceived. They think they're doing it just because they hear it. There's a lot of people think that. They think just because they watch something or hear something or read something that they're kind of a doer in that area. When they're not, they're just spectating. They're just watching, you know. You're not playing football from the stands, right? You're just spectating. You're just watching. But a lot of people think they're involved in the game. And they're just looking and watching. Well, there's a big difference between jumping in the game and just watching the game. And so we're, we're, we're the jumpers in the game. <laughs> Amen? In Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, he mentions the word rejoice, just the word rejoice, ten times in four short chapters. You know what that tells me? That tells me the Lord's trying to get our attention. When God repeats something in His Word, and right behind it repeats it, and in just a few sentences later repeats it again, He is trying to get our attention. Everybody say, rejoice. Now, let's look at a couple of scriptures that He has on that. You can look on the screen with me. Philippians chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. We're going to read the NIV. And it says, Paul is saying, But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering... 
on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. In other words, even if I'm laying my life down for you and serving you and helping you, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Verse 18, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. What we should we be? We should be glad and rejoicing. Everybody say it with me. We should be glad and rejoicing. Now, is this God's word? This is God's word, right? God is It's not Pastor Ken. This is God's word. He said you should be glad and rejoice. Then he comes right behind it. You should be glad and rejoice. All right? Philippians 4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now, he says this, rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. That's pretty clear from his word. Rejoice, all right? Rejoice, and then that's the command, rejoice. Then he comes behind it and says, again, I will say rejoice. Do you think rejoicing, us rejoicing is important to the Lord? It's not for his benefit, it's for our benefit, okay? It's for us. It's how we approach life. We can choose joy, and that's what we've been talking about. We can choose to rejoice. That's what he's saying. Choose to rejoice. Choose that direction. Choose to be glad. Paul the Apostle also wrote to the church at Thessalonica, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And he said, most of you know this one, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Somebody would say, I wonder what the will of God is for me. I wonder. Hmm. And it says right here, rejoice always. Everybody say, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. And it says right here, in case we, it wasn't clear, okay? Hey, guys, hey, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In other words, this is the plan of God in our life. This is how we should be approaching life. How many want to live a successful life? How many would agree that God is successful? The most successful being ever. I mean, he's successful all the time. He's never made a mistake. He's never failed. The Bible says love never fails. So God has never failed. Can you imagine that? How many of you know somebody who's never failed? I do. They haven't been born yet, though. (laughs) In other words, you and I have a propensity to fail, don't we? We just tend to flop on and mistake. We're not even trying and we screw up. Well, what we can do is the more we follow God, the more we learn about how he thinks and how he runs things and what he does from his word, the more success we're going to have. Why? Because he is successful. Amen? He never fails. And so what we want to do is act on his word. And he says here, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. If we'll live our life that way, if we'll be thankful, if we'll be joyful and glad-hearted all the time and thank Him for what He's doing and pray, get God involved in our life. That's, that's what prayer is. Prayer is you communing with God. It's getting to know Him and Him getting to know you. And also there's this side that you're inviting God to operate in your life. How many know God is a great business partner? He doesn't need a thing. <laughs> and He only wants to help you. 
He wants to direct you and show you. He'll even show you things to come, the Bible says. And so what we want to do is get God involved in our life. The amplified version of 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, I really like this, Be happy in your faith and rejoice and be glad-hearted continually always. <laughs> Just in case we didn't get it, continually always. Continually always. I love that. Say it with me. Continually. Always. Any misunderstanding here. So what does this mean? 365 days a year, 7 days a week, 24 hours a day, the Lord is saying this is how we should live. This is how we should live. In other words, continually, always. We're not turning it off. We're always there. That doesn't mean we're always. I mean, I'm not telling you at 1 in the morning, Hey, honey, praise God. God is good. Hallelujah! That'll stir some things up. It ain't going to be good. Amen? What we have here is all the time. What I'm trying to say is if the Lord is telling us, if the Lord is telling us to be joyful, to rejoice, right? He's telling us to live that way all the time. Would He tell us to do something we were not capable of? Why would He waste His time? If we couldn't, if somebody would say, I just can't do that. Well, God seems to think you can. God seems to think you can. And so what God is saying is you do your part. What does he say? He said if we would draw near to him, what would he do? He would draw near to us, right? He would, he would meet us. He would, in other words, you press in towards the Lord, what's going to happen? He's going to press in towards you, right? Is he here to help us? Didn't he promise he would never leave us? He would never forsake us. Amen? He's our helper. He's, in fact, that's what the Holy Spirit is called, the helper, helping us. And so we can do this. But what I want you to understand is it's a choice. You have to choose joy, just like you choose to believe in God. And you choose to believe his word. You choose joy. It's, it's an option. It's, and anything else is not a good option, but you should choose joy. Now, I want to I say something that I think will help some people here. The Lord spoke to me as I was putting this together and, and kind of going over it last night, and the Lord brought something back up to me. Because someone might say this. They might say, Pastor Ken, are you telling me to just act like my feelings don't exist? See, a lot of people think that's what faith is. Faith, for example, faith in healing is acting like the pain doesn't exist. Well, that's not how we're to live. And nowhere in the Bible does it say to live that way. Just mentally, just it doesn't exist. You know, that's not what, how we're to live our life. Some of them might say, but, but Pastor Ken, I, I legitimately feel sad. I le- my, my heart legitimately is broken. I, the, this depression is just, it, it feels like there's a black cloud over me all the time. I feel that way. And I'm here to tell you, I'm not telling you your feelings don't exist. They're real. And it's okay for you to acknowledge them. They're real. I mean, if I had pain in my body, for me to say, I don't have any pain, 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 is that going to make the pain go away? No. That isn't going to do one thing for you. Now, I suppose it's better to think on something positively than think of something negatively, but that isn't necessarily going to change anything, okay? That isn't going to so what I'm trying to say is when it comes to your feelings or what you might be going through and how you feel and we all understand that part those are real okay 
Those are real. But then you might say, well, Pastor Ken, you told me to walk by faith. That's what the Word says. Or you'll say, you told me to choose joy. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want you to write this down, okay? If you don't write anything else down, write this down, all right? Joy isn't pretending your feelings don't exist. Write that down. Joy isn't pretending your feelings don't exist, but rather choosing joy above your feelings. But rather choosing joy above your feelings. So let me say the whole thing. Joy isn't pretending your feelings don't exist, but rather choosing joy above your feelings. It would be like this when it comes to faith. My body's in pain. I physically feel the pain, but the Bible says, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. 1 Peter 2.24 tells us that. So I believe God's word, and yet I'm in pain. The pain is real. But what I do is I put God's word above the pain. In other words, that pain is real, but I believe God's word can supersede that pain. I believe God's word, with my belief in it acting on it, can change that pain, can remove that pain, can cause the healing power of God to flow through me to change my circumstances. Well, joy is the same thing. I might be feeling depressed. I might feel bad. I might feel sad, but I choose joy above my feelings. What I'm trying to say is this. I'm not going to let my feelings dictate my life. Because my feelings are all over the place. Anybody know what I'm talking about? One minute you're happy, the next minute you're sad. One minute you're hungry, the next minute you're not. I mean, one minute you're this, next minute you're that. Your feelings are all over the place. You sometimes feel real angry and you just want to knock someone else out. You ever felt like that? And no one's going to admit that in a room, but, you know, I mean, there are times, Lisa, oh, and she does the same thing, you know? You know, somebody asked my old pastor, he said it, when he had five kids when, when he was at home with the kids, and somebody asked him, did you ever hit your wife? And, uh, or asked his wife, did he ever hit you? She said, no, but I felt the wind a couple of times. In other words, something flew by, <laughs> you know, or vice versa, you know. In other words, he would never hurt her, but there might have been something tossed here and there, you know. I've done things like that. I've gotten so angry. You ever get hangry? You know, have you ever seen the commercial about the Snickers bar? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where the people do crazy things and they act like someone else because they're super hungry, your blood sugar's low. I've done that. I've gotten upset. Let's not kid each other. I'll bet you you wouldn't want me probing into every single personal conversation you've ever had. Well, pastors here, straighten it up. Look holy. Whatever holy looks like. Look holy! Act cool. And we walk. I mean, you could be fighting like cat and dogs in the car, and then you come in church, hi. <laughs> Who says you can't act? <laughs> now listen, the fact is this. We can't go by feelings is what I'm trying to say. You tell your feelings, feelings, I'm acknowledging you. You're real, but I'm not going to let you dictate what I'm going to do. I choose joy. Everybody say, choose joy. Now, if we'll practice being joyful all the time, if we'll just live our life the way Paul told us by the Spirit of God, to rejoice, to be glad-hearted, to be thankful, to focus on those things, when the difficult times come, and they will come, when those challenges come, you'll be ready to release that joy in your life. 
In other words, that joy, the Bible says, will be your strength. That joy will help you overcome. Why? Because that joy works in conjunction with your faith. Without joy, your faith is useless. Your faith doesn't operate, but with joy... With joy, there's a hope for the future that things will change because of God's Word. And therefore, what? I know it's going to change. That's why I can be joyful in the middle of a bad situation. I know this situation is subject to change because nothing is higher than God's Word. And I have His promise on it. Amen? Amen? So if I'll act on His Word, even though it looks like I'm going through a difficult time, it's just a temporary thing. It's going to change. That's how I can be joyful. We know the outcome. That's my point. You know the outcome from God's Word. God's Word promises that He would supply all my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And all of a sudden, I'm going along in life and everything's going fine. And all of a sudden, bam! I'm hit with some unexpected financial things that are draining me like I'm leaking somewhere. And I, how am I going to deal with this? What am I going to do? Man, and it looks dark. It looks difficult. Maybe you got laid off. Maybe a bunch of things happened at one time, and it looks bad. But then I go to His Word, and His Word says, Hey, wait a minute now. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Psalm 23. The Word says that He supplies all my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And if I'll meditate on those things, what's going to happen? Joy is going to begin to rise up in me. Why? Because I know... This circumstance looks bad, but it is subject to change. It is subject to change. Why? God's Word is a greater authority. God's, see, God's Word, with God's Word in my heart and my mouth, we can change that situation. See, I know the outcome. That's why I can have joy in the middle of a bad situation. That's why sometimes I might even seem contrary to some people. Maybe I'll get bad news, you know? And that somebody else will think, oh, he's going to fall apart. Pastor's going to get so upset when I tell him this. And they tell me, and I'm like, <laughs> just laughing it off. Why? Because I know it'll be okay. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. Amen? Is God still on the throne just because I got a big bill I didn't expect? And did it surprise God? How many of you know God usually isn't surprised? Hey, God didn't say, oh my gosh, I didn't know that was happening. No, God, see, God knows everything. And so he's not moved. What we need to do is become more like him. We don't change. We follow God's word and we're the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what people ought to begin to see in you as you act on God's word. They just see it like a rock, man. You're just un unmoved by difficulties and challenges why because i have god's word on it and i know this situation is going to change it's always going to work out amen god doesn't fail his word doesn't fail and so what did psalm 23 tell us though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death amen we're walking through it but who's with me the whole time the lord never left me He's there with me the whole time. It just looks bad. It looks dark. It looks scary. Well, sometimes life looks that way, but it's just a short time. Amen? Just give me a few more days, and I'm, I'll see the other side. Amen? I'll be out of this. I can tell you testimony after testimony after testimony in my life where it looked like the weight of the world was on me, and then three weeks later I could look back saying, Praise God, God did it again. Amen? And that's how we should look at our life. Praise God, we, we had another victory. Glory to, we gave glory to God because we used our faith in God's word and got through that challenge. And now I'm the better for it. You see, Jesus told us the storms of life will come. 
He told us that. That's why he said, build your life on my word. Be a doer of my word. Don't just be a hearer, because the hearers are the one that they built their house on the sand. How many know sand isn't going to do very well in a storm? Water doesn't, what does it do with sand? It washes it away. It just moves it. But if we built our life on God's word, that means we're hearing it and we're doing it. We're hearing it and we're doing it. We're acting on it. I'm immovable. Why? God's word is immovable. I'm, it's not me. It's God's word. Amen. And I built my life around it. And it, won't, it may look bad. It may howl. It may yell. The devil may be screaming. The, the storm may sound bad. But I'm fine. I'm fine. Amen. Because God's word can't change. How does this work when it comes to joy? Let's tie this together real quick. As I said, sometimes to get where we want to be, somehow or another, sometimes it seems like we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. It feels like that, okay? It feels like a dark time. And I want to say it again. It feels that way. Did everybody get that? It doesn't mean it is that way. It just feels that way. The devil is a blabbermouth. He, is, he loves to roar, but he's toothless. He's got nothing. He's got no bite. I mean, how many of you guys would be afraid of a, of a, of a cat with no claws and no, no teeth? Not very scary anymore, right? My, my wife used to have a cat from hell. Before we got married, this cat, I'm serious. This cat was a big cat, and they actually had a metal chain on this cat to keep this cat where it needed to be. Think about that, a chain on a cat, a house cat. And that's, the reason was is I'd walk in and that thing would jump on me, latch on, and I could do this and couldn't get the thing off. And it's taken meat off of me. And I, and I remember hearing a story about a friend of her. She, was, she had a, a sleepover with a friend and the cat was lying in wait like a lion looking for its prey. And the minute the other girl got out of the bed, the thing swooped and attacked. That ain't a house cat. And anyway, when we got married, I said, ain't no way that cat's coming. And you know what's funny is, somehow in there, Conchetta, after we got married, by the way, that's my wife, raise your hand. That's my wife, Lisa, for those you don't know, and that's my mother-in-law right there, raise your hand, Conchetta, just so you don't know. Well, when we got married, I said, there's no way I'm taking that cat, no way. I don't even want to visit that cat, I don't want to see that cat. So she's, we leave it with, you know, Conchetta. Conchetta gets married, guess what that husband said? Ain't no way the cat's going. No way. And so they gave it away to this young girl who was a missionary. The sweetest woman you had ever met in your life. I mean sweet, sweet, sweet. Sick sweet. But she loved the Lord and she just was sweet. You know what I mean? Oozing sweet. She gets that cat and somehow that cat got saved. (laughs) I'm telling you. I mean, that cat got saved. When we would describe, I would meet this woman, I'd say, so what do you think of that cat? Huh? She's like, what are you talking about? That's the sweetest cat in the world. And I mean, I'm on and on and on thinking, man, they must have had some deliverance service or something for this cat. But, but uh, I still remember, the cat wasn't that way on its own. She made that cat. <laughs> Frankenstein. Franken-cat. <laughs> anyway... We're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. (laughs) And the cat was there! (laughs) But what I'm trying to say is we're going through it. We're not staying there. We're not camping there. Listen carefully. 
Joy, along with patience and peace, will help carry us through the difficult times of life. God's Word provides all those things. Remember last week what we taught you is God's Word provides joy. It produces joy. Why? Because it gives us a promise to hold on to. It anchors our life. Amen? Along with hope and patience and peace, we can make it through anything. There's nothing we can't. Why? We have God's Word on it. You see, joy reminds us and helps us to focus on the very near future where that goal is going to be met. That victory is going to be achieved. Why? Because I have God's Word on it. You see, joy helps us focus on God's Word. And God's Word is good. Amen? Like I said, God's Word is faithful. It's true. And that promise, if we'll get it inside us and it's coming out our mouth, that circumstance, that situation is going to change. Joy keeps us on target. Joy keeps us on target. Knowing that in just a little bit, this temporary pain, this temporary heartache, this temporary discomfort in life, this temporary challenge is going to be over. Amen? Why? I have God's Word on it. That Word produces joy. That Word says I'm healed. That Word says I'm free. That Word says nothing can separate me from the love of God. So I know that that situation, that challenge is just a short time. It's going to change. I'm not going to be stuck there. But the devil, what does he want you to do? He wants you to focus on the problem and get you to think this will never change. You'll never get out of it. How do you think, why do you think people commit suicide? Maybe somebody in this room today has had that challenge. A thought occurred to them. Why? The devil tried to get someone to think it'll never change. And the, to think, the devil can actually talk them into thinking, taking your life will actually make things better. Little did they know that taking their life, if they don't know the Lord, made things immensely worse. And there's no way out. But see, we need to understand Jesus, what? Came for what? To give us what? Life and it more abundantly. Amen? He never promised we wouldn't go through difficulties. And that, that's, that's due to wrong preaching. Wrong preaching. There are, there are ministers out there that are saying, oh, if we'll just get a hold of faith, we'll never have a problem again. That's a lie. That's not true. That's not the Word of God. You're going to have challenges. It's going to happen. It is clear all over Scripture. But we have a promise. What? That through faith in God's Word, we will overcome. Right? That's how we overcome in this world, through faith in His Word. We can overcome every and any challenge because of what Jesus did for us. Amen? Everybody should be saying amen on that. Because you're going to go through difficulties. You're going to go through challenges. Just know, hey, it's okay. I'll just have one more testimony to give. Amen? About how Jesus helped me get through that thing. How, how God took care of it. Amen? Isn't the battle His? That's what He said in His Word. The battle's His. Amen? What's our job? Stay in His Word and rejoice. <laughs> That's our job. Think about it. You've got the easiest job in the world. What's your job? Rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. Be glad. Amen. Be happy. Everybody say be happy. Amen. And my job is to what? Rejoice. Why? Because I know God's word. Everything's going to be okay. That's the, my job is not to fight the devil. You understand that? He's already lost. You know what my job is? Keep him down. 
<laughs> Amen? I'm the body of Christ, and he's under my feet. Amen? My job is to reinforce what Jesus did. That's it. My job is not to You're not fighting the devil. If you really got to fight with him, he'd knock you out. He'd take you. But see, you, he's already been defeated. We've already overcome them. How? Through Christ. Because of what Jesus did, you and I are okay. All right, let me get back on course real quick. You and I have a race to run in this life. My race is not the same as your race, but we all have a God-given plan for our life. We have a race to run, the Bible says, and we'll look at that in a moment. Every one of you, you might say, well, I didn't choose it. Tough. God already gave it to you. Even if you were not born again, you still have a plan, but when you get born again, that's reinforced even more. Now you can hear God. And so how do we know what that race is in our life? Well, we have the generic part that we're all to obey and honor the Word of God. So we do what the Word of God says, right? That's the common sense part. And then we're to yield our spirits to the Lord. And the Spirit of God will lead us and He will guide us into the specifics. That's where you and I diverge a little bit. That's where things get different. Okay, my call and what God's called me to do is not the same as you. That is what you ultimately, by the way, will be judged on. Someday at judgment, you will stand before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You will stand before him not based on whether you did good or bad. See, a lot of people think that they think, well, do my good things outweigh my bad things. Listen to me. You're either the righteousness of God in Christ or you're not. I'm not standing before God based on my righteousness. I'm standing on, my, I'm standing on the righteousness of Jesus. Okay, You know what you will be judged on? I want everybody listening closely. You will be judged on how did your life line up with the plan of God. That's what you will be judged on. In other words, this is God's plan and this is how your life went. You, know, you really want it to be that way. All right, That's what it's going to be. Did you obey the Lord? Did you obey his word and did you obey the specific plan, the call, the purpose that he had for you in life? And that's how we, the spirit of God leads us in life. But along the way, the devil comes along. And he, in this race, just picture a race course, you know, a big racetrack, high school or something like that. And you're going along your race. Well, the devil comes along to try to move you off course. He's trying to deter you, distract you, slow you down. He's trying to get you to quit. His ultimate goal is to get you to quit, not only quit, but blame God for why you quit. In other words, you turn your back on the Lord. That's his ultimate goal. Jesus himself had a race to run while he was on the earth. And he's our example of how we can finish the race that is set before us and finish strong. So I want everybody to look with me. Hebrews chapter 12, because this is where this is really coming together. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, so you need a picture, you're on that track, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. How many of you know that if you tried to run with weights, it'd be hard? What you want to do is get as aerodynamic as you can. You want to strip anything that you don't need. And so when, we're, when we get in sin, what are we doing? We're still trying to run that race, but it's really hard to run the race. You know that if you're a Christian, it's easier to go full board toward the Lord than it is to play on the edge of things. It's harder. 
Why? You're weighted down. Remember, what did Jesus say? My yoke is what? Easy. My burden is light. You know, it's easy to serve God. You can be full of joy. It's when you're serving yourself or not paying attention to the Lord that life is hard, that life is difficult. Amen? Following the Lord's easy, praise God. Now listen, look what he says here. He said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Amen? There is a race set before every single one of us that we're in. Now verse 2 tells us how do we do it? How do we finish strong in this race? And it says here, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking at Him, looking at His Word, looking at His promises is how we finish our race strong. But notice, it says, who for the joy, talking about Jesus, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, this scripture helps us understand how Jesus finished His race. And I want you to know something. Jesus' race was hard. Very hard. In fact, there's no person on this earth that will ever face what Jesus had to go through. Some have come close, but no one will ever go through what he had to go through. Joy is how Jesus made it through the difficulties that hit him so hard. Everybody say joy. Now, the devil did everything he could to get Jesus to quit, to take the easy road, But Jesus stayed focused on his mission, and he did this through joy. I want to remind you, Jesus didn't go to the cross because he needed to. He went to the cross because we needed him to. That was part of that joy. He was looking towards the future. You see, the Bible says Jesus endured the cross. Endured the cross. He disregarded its shame. The crucifixion, what we don't understand in our culture, the crucifixion was a horrible and shameful way to die. It was filled with human shame to be nailed on that cross, to, be, to, die, to die like that. That was the worst way to die. It was embarrassing. It was shameful. They were stripped down. If you think they had a bunch of clothes on, you're wrong. They were shamed. They were beaten. They were displayed. I mean, it was a horrible, horrible, horrible way to die. Now think about Jesus. Did he deserve to die? No. He didn't do anything wrong. In fact, here's the sad part. He's the one that created every single person that put him on that cross. Think about that from his perspective. Listen to me. Even though the crucifixion was a horrible and shameful way to die, Jesus ignored and didn't pay attention to the shame to the despising and the disdain the cross represented. You see, the cross represented human shame at its worst level. Now, physically, Jesus went on the cross, and that was difficult enough. But what was even more difficult was the spiritual side. You see, the human shame was nothing compared to the shame Jesus felt when all the sins of the world were laid on him and his own father turned his back on him and things went dark on the inside of Jesus. That's why he cried out to his father, why 
my God, have you forsaken me? I used to wonder, why would God say that? But that's exactly what happened. Jesus was filled with sin, and God the Father turned his back on him. And I mean that ripped Jesus apart. I mean tore him in two on the inside. And then, of course, he was headed to hell. Now, the Bible says this. Listen carefully. Through all this, the Bible says Jesus endured. How did Jesus make it through something so difficult? Joy. Joy is how he did it. You see, while going through this agonizing torture, it was the joy that was set before him that gave him the strength to continue. You see, listen carefully. Jesus stayed focused on the reward, not the problem. He stayed focused on the reward, and that produced the joy. What was the reward? The reward to Jesus at that time was the current shame, the pain, the agony, the darkness, listen to me carefully, would soon be over. He knew in just a few more days, in just a few more days, he knew the devil will be defeated. Listen to me, the sin price would be paid in full. He knew that he had saved all of mankind. He knew that everything changes, right? Everything changes on resurrection morning. <laughs> when, when he rose from the dead, everything changed. But he felt everything he was going through. I need you to understand that. He felt, you think you've ever felt sorrow? Not even close. Not even close to what he... He sweat drops of blood. He was so stressed out. Think about what was going on with him. But remember what I told you. He chose joy. What I mean by that is he chose to focus on the reward. He kept his eyes on the Word of God that produced the joy that was his strength that helped him get through it. It works the same way in your life and in my life. I want you to see that, that if Jesus made it, you can make it. Some of you have gone through some really, really tough things. You've had people go on to be with the Lord, and it was hard. You, you, and, and guess what? That's not going to stop. Death is part of life. It's, it's not going to change. It's how we approach it. It's how we see things. It's how we approach life. And that's why Paul, by the Spirit of God, was telling us, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Live joyfully. Live, live that way. Live with a glad heart. Don't ever let yourself get down. You might feel bad. Pick yourself up and start rejoicing. Amen. Do it in faith, but just do it. And as you do that, that will energize you. That will help you make it through those things. That will help you help someone else. Because some people feel totally lost. I know someone that lost their husband and a son and a son-in-law in one moment. One moment. I know someone who lost their dad, husband, and brother-in-law. One moment. One moment. I mean, can you imagine what they went through? They lost all the male members of the family. All of them, gone, just like that. 
And, you know, you could question things and you could, man, Lord, how did this happen? And, and then see, what does the devil start doing? He starts pointing it towards God. He has a plan. You, anybody ever heard that expression, God needed another flower in heaven? What a bunch of hogwash. If he wants flowers, he can go make his own. But see, God isn't doing that. God is the life giver, not the life taker. Amen? He is a good God. It's the devil that's causing those problems. And sometimes, listen to me, no devil involved. People die. That's just the way it is. Death is part of life. They move to another location. But the fact is, no matter what difficulty, no matter what challenge we're going through, there is a way to make it through. Real quickly, I want you to look at James real fast with me. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Let's read this in the New Living. It really reads easy. And he says this, Dear brothers and sisters, how many know that's talking to you and me? Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. It's like your head says, wait a minute now. Ah, no, 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 no. You know, but is this the Bible? Am I reading the word? In the King James, it says, count it all joy. When various trials and tribulations come your way. Count it all joy. Well, it says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Another translation says, lacking nothing. What he's saying here is this. The Spirit of God is telling us to embrace. Listen, everybody. Okay, sound listening. Because this is so important. The Spirit of God is telling us through James, embrace the difficulties and challenges that come our way. It's an opportunity for us to grow and develop in our faith. Quit looking at bad things as negative. And quit looking at what did I do to cause them all. Well, there's a real devil. We live in a fallen world. And maybe you did do something that opened the door. Who cares? The issue is what are you going to do now? Not whining about how or why. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Focus on what am I going to do now? Well, he says count it all joy. In other words, why? I get an opportunity to exercise my faith. I get an opportunity to trust God and I get an opportunity to grow. See, how do we grow muscles in our body? There has to be what? resistance right well our faith works much the same way for our faith to grow there's got to be what resistance where you're using your faith but guess what can you live by faith even if there's not a problem or a challenge can can you some of you are like wait a minute now can you are you to live by faith all the time Isn't that what the Word says? We live by faith. We live. We breathe by faith. We trust God all the time. See, that's the problem. A lot of people don't trust God when everything's going good. Then all hell breaks loose. Oh, Jesus, I need your help. And they get on their knees then. And that's the problem. When if you were full of joy, rejoicing and filled with God's Word and walking in it the entire time, would that challenge be such a big deal? No! The problem is, is everybody takes a spiritual vacation when everything seems to be going good, and then all of a sudden when things go bad, 
They're, they're knocked out, man. They're just like, wow, how do I deal with this? Well, see, the problem is if you would have been full of joy, how do we, how, how do we get joy? Where's joy produced from? The Word of God, right? The Word of God is a promise. Does it not make you joyful to hear that if I ask for anything in the name of Jesus, He'll give it to me? Does that not produce joy? Does it not produce joy that He'll meet all my needs? Does it not produce joy that He'll said He'll give me victory? Does it not produce joy that, that by the stripes of Jesus I'm healed? Right? Those, all those things stir up joy inside you. Maintain that. Build it up so when the difficulty and challenge comes, you're like, come on, let's go. Why, why am I not worried? I know the outcome. I know the outcome. Let's go. Come swinging because I'm going to take the Word of God. Boom and boom. Remember? What is the Word of God? It's an offensive weapon. It's the sword of the Spirit. In other words, I'm ready to go. I got my armor on. Amen? I got the shield of faith right? I got, I'm, I'm girded with the truth, praise God. I got the word of God. I got my sword. I got my helmet on. Let's go. Why? When I do that in this life and I trust God's word and I put my faith to work, I give glory to God. I'm producing fruit. Amen? It's the lazy Christians not doing anything in a corner hiding that aren't producing anything. Say, I'm not lazy. now listen carefully as i wrap this up okay listen carefully we're not to be joyful for the problem but in the problem there's a big difference there i'm not thankful for a problem but i can be thankful in the problem you see that now how can we be joyful while we're going through the difficulties because we know that our faith in god is not in vain that we trust Him and we know the circumstances that we're currently going through are going to change. They have to. Why? I have God's Word on it. It has to change. Let me give you a few scriptures. Amen. Say it with me. Say, I have the victory. I overcome this world by the, my faith in God's Word. That's how we overcome. 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Notice that, past tense. We've already overcome. You might say, Whoo, how have I already overcome the enemy? Jesus overcame him, and I'm, I'm in what? I'm in Christ. Amen. I'm in him. His victory was my victory. Therefore, because he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. Is God in you? Okay, some of you weren't sure. Let me ask that again. Is God in you? And if God's in you, then greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You've already won. Man, I tell you what, all you do is just start reminding the devil. I don't get to get in the ring with him. I just start reminding him. Hey, hey, devil, <laughs> let me give you a secret. I won. <laughs> uh, I already got the victory. Boy, just rub it in. Rub it in. I mean, you remind him. Let's go back to the Bible and see what happens with you, devil. <laughs> oh, that don't look good, devil. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, he'll leave you alone. What did Jesus do? Every time the devil came at him, what did he do? It is written. It is written. It is written. Finally, the devil, ah! And the devil just took off. Said, I can't do nothing with him. Listen to me. The devil's no match for God's word. The circumstance in your life is no match for God's word. So you know, I have joy. This thing is about to change. Amen? My circumstance, that debt, whatever it is in your life is, uh, is subject to change. But God's word is not subject to change. 
It can't lose. Amen? Amen. Boy, I tell you, I'm all stirred up if you haven't noticed. Romans chapter 8 says, listen to me. Everybody say it with me. If God is for me, who can be against me? Man, you just start meditating on that. God is for me. Who can be against me? If God is for me, who can be against me? What will that do? That word what? Stirs up joy. Man, if God is for me, who can be against me? How many of you know, if I'm going to have someone on my team, who do I want? You know, remember when you were in high school or, or school and maybe you were always the last one picked. I don't know. Remember in gym? Some kids just hated that. And I mean, if they weren't real good at that sport, they were the ones still sitting in the corner. But what, what did you want on your team? You wanted the biggest, the baddest, the toughest, the, the best at whatever. Well, guess what? Ain't no one bigger. If I can use the expression, ain't no one better <laughs> than God. Amen? And I don't mean bad in a good way. I mean bad in a good way. You know what I'm talking about culturally speaking and anyway god amen is on our side listen first corinthians fifteen fifty seven. but thanks be to god who gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ amen say i have the victory you guys got to say it like you mean it you know say i have the victory say i have the victory now say it again like you mean it this time like i got it i really do got it i have the victory Amen. See, you can't just, devil, you leave me alone. Quit touching my stuff. He's just going to sit there and laugh at you. I mean, he's not going to do anything. But if you get in his face with the word of God, I mean it. See, my dog at home, she knows when I mean it. If I just say, Carly, Carly, but sometimes I'll be out in the yard. We need her to come in. Carly! And but she just comes running around the corner, you know. I mean, she knows uh, he's not happy. <laughs> you know, he means business. Well, you need to sometimes tell the devil. It doesn't mean you've got to yell, but it means you've got to have some authority. You've got to believe this. Amen? You've got to be- say, I believe, because I'm a believer. And that's what believers do. Amen? That's what you, the Bible says you're a believer. How many of you are a believer? Raise your hand if you're a believer in the Lord. Amen? I want to see, I want to make sure. Anybody here not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? (laughs) Everybody did good. (laughs) Amen. We're believers. What do we do? We believe. And if we believe it, if we truly believe it, then we do it. Because I know it'll work. Amen. Amen. God's word, guys, always works. Amen.